Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. Here's the pledge of God to the Christian in Hebrews 13, verse 5. God says, I will never, never leave you or forsake you. If you remember a moment when you searched in desperation for a lost little one and then found them, you might just begin to comprehend the heart of God's commitment to us, his little children. Have you ever had a little child that's gone missing and you've searched for them and you know the panic of trying to find them? And the moment at which you found them and you brought them back into your arms, the thought that you had was, I'm never going to let this little one out of my sight again. I'm never going to let them out of my arms. Maybe the story is that you went down to the beach with all of your children and a head count took place and you missed the youngest one. And when you finally realized they weren't around, you couldn't find them on the beach, searching up and down the beach. And the next thing you started doing was pacing back and forth around the water line. And then after a while, you yelled at everybody in the water to stop and form a chain so that you could go out and comb through the waters. And your spouse runs back to the car to get a cell phone to call for help or to call people to pray. And as she's wandering back to the car, there among the dune, picking flowers in the dunes, is this little two-and-a-half-year-old, three-year-old. You grab that little child in your arms. And your thought is, uh-huh. I'm never going to let you out of my sight again. I'm going to never let you go. I think all of us have stories somewhat like that. The panic of losing that little precious one and that determination to always keep them in our arms and our sights. And later on, you know, we can't do it. We're finite. We can't always follow them. But that instinct rises within us. And as parents who fear God, we follow them in our prayers everywhere they go. We can't stop thinking about them and praying for them and laboring for them. I have a little daughter who's just taken off this week to go to boot camp of all places to drill. And every time that my life through the last four days had been relieved of the demands of attention, every time my mind goes away from the detail of the activity that I'm involved in, my mind goes to her. And I'm praying for her. God keep her and God watch over her. And Maybe that all began with the time in which she wandered away from the beach. And we searched for her. God says once he's found us and once he's drawn us into his arms, he's never going to let us go. And it's a promise that God gives to the Christian, the one who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. This promise also points to the Christian's God. And I will remind you that there are other gods and other spirits that are worshipped in other lands. Gods that are finite and who are dark and diminishing in their power, but gods that people will slavishly follow, putting out food offerings for them day in and day out, that will gather around in their communities and their tribes in order to try to appease, in order to gain some favor or some benefit or some point of health. And you'll see this in every place. We were, as you said, just in Cambodia in Cambodia, it's supposed to be a Buddhist country. And you know Buddhists are supposed to be atheists. And yet in each one of these areas, there are regional gods that all the people know of and worship and go to and seek out. And then they worship also the spirits of their dead ancestors. We spoke this morning of what was taking place in India. And there in India, they have over 500 million gods that they worship. And there are other gods. 
But the God who says, I will never leave you and I will never, never forsake you is the Christian's God. He is God of gods and Lord of lords. He is God, all-powerful, eternal, omnipresent, unchanging, and committed in his love to his children. Because God is all-powerful, nothing can disrupt his hold on your life. Because he is eternal, no moment can take you away from him. Because he is omnipresent, there is nowhere where you can go or find yourself where he is not all there with you. Because he is unchanging, he will not relent in his promise to always be with you. There are fair weather friends, I suppose. And there are just friends who are really your friends all through your life, but they're moody folk. And so one day they're quite good to you, and the other day they're kind of neglectful and they can forget you. It just depends on what's flitting by their emotional frame of mind at any given moment. I can imagine that a man, I'm not married to a gal like this, but I can imagine a guy can wake up to a sweet honey one morning and a sour, doleful one the next. And he never knows. That can be a little bit kind of, you get a little twitchy with people like that. God's not like that in any way. You are always on God's mind. He is not subject to mood changes. He is unchangingly good and unchangingly disposed towards your benefit. And here's the promise The holy, eternal, infinite God is ever going to be with you. The promise is the loving, eternal, infinite God will never forsake you. And He is with you always as He has been, always as He is, always as He will be. Kind and good and gracious and righteous and majestic in His gentleness. True, all you need, all you truly want. Glorious, glorious. And He is there with you consistently acting as He always acts on your behalf. Protecting, guiding, correcting, sheltering, counseling, keeping, convicting, comforting, challenging, providing, renewing, restoring, rewarding, working, always to your benefit. Because He loves you ever near, seeking ever to bring you nearer and nearer and nearer to himself and to his power, outpouring upon you his blessing. You read through the Old Testament, you read the stories of the great men of God called up and God used and God worked with, those that God declared himself for and those that God brought into covenant relationship with him. And what you'll see in the story of their life is that their life doesn't always go as they had planned it or they envisioned it or they desired it. But the one thing you'll see that's a constant is that God was there with them from beginning to end. You ask Joseph after he was sold into slavery, after then he was unjustly accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown into a prison in Egypt, did God ever leave you? And Joseph would stand before you and say, no, never. You ask David, who spent the early time of his young adult life fleeing and being hunted through valleys and caves into foreign lands and driven from his home and his family. Did God ever forsake you? David would have said, no, never. Take Daniel, banished from his own homeland and served under different heathen kings and was accused falsely and eventually, we know the story, cast into a den of lions. Daniel, did God ever leave you? 
Daniel would have said, not for a catnap. Never left me. The great story of the first Christian martyr is the story of Stephen. Find it in Acts chapter 7. The Jews declare that he's blaspheming against God. They take him to a place of stoning. The unconverted Paul, named Saul, gathers the cloaks of those who will stone him, giving assent to his murder. The crowd rushes upon, we're told they rush upon Stephen, gnashing their teeth in rage. And as the stones are landing their blows and falling upon them, Stephen looks up in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. He looks up into the sky and he cries out and says, Look, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, did God ever leave you? Did He ever forsake you? No. No, He never did. He never did. It's the Christian's testimony. It's God's pledge. It's the pledge of the all-powerful, eternal, omnipresent, immutable God that once He's laid hold of us, once He has found us and claimed us as His children, He'll never let us go. That's the high point of this text. That's the glory of this text. That, by the way, should be the thing that you meditate on for the next few days as you move your way into your day of thanksgiving. God, where, at what point in my life might I say that you were not with me, watching over me? Even in the difficulties, even in the challenges, even the hard turns that have come against you, even those things that seem unjust and unfair. You know, Satan has to get permission to come against you and even tempt you. And everything God is overseeing to use all these things to draw you to himself and make you aware of his presence and lean in hard upon him because he never, never leaves you. He never, never forsakes you. Let your mind go there. Think about it. Meditate upon it. Hold it to yourself. Think about all that God is and every attribute that he professes or claims to have those that you can identify, those yet beyond our minds, so mysterious and profound is God. Think that in all these things, God is present with you and near you. And then from there, find your application. Here's the application that the author of Hebrews gives us. He tells us something we're not to do, and then he tells us something we are to do. Something we're not to do and something we are to do in light of the fact that God has declared that He Himself will never, never forsake us, never, never leave us. The thing we're not to do, He says, is we're not to act out of covetousness. We're not to act out of covetousness. Here's the picture. The Christian, the child of God, the one found of God, is now nestled in the strong arms of this loving and saving God. The Christian is now an heir of all that God possesses as his child. And yet, as he resides in this place, and this is where you're residing right now, in God's arms. As you reside in this place, the, the Christian, amazingly, finds himself looking across the way at his neighbor. And he has a vague awareness of uneasiness that's growing within him because he, he discovers that his neighbor's car is nice. That his neighbor's house is nicer. That his neighbor's kids are quiet. He finds himself interested in the sound of his neighbor's lawnmower. 
It sounds light and faster and more powerful than his own. And he begins to wonder if his job is rewarding as his neighbor. And he actually finds his neighbor's personality quite dynamic in comparison to his own. Before long, the Christian child of God is leaning out from the arms of God, craning his neck to take into view all the things that others seem to have that he seems to be missing. And he's no longer resting in the loving arms of the one who's holding him. He's twisting and turning to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next. And slowly having his needs met is not enough Wants become needs and demands. Enough is not enough. We said that covetousness and a lack of contentment is an incredibly unloving thing. And here's why. How unloving to be found longing for things and changes in your life that you require to make you happy while all the time you're forgetting the arms that this very moment are holding you in love in the hands, the pierced hands that have claimed you to himself and the voice that is speaking to you if you pause and listen in the midst of your discontentment saying, I will never, never let you go. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Evangelism and Discipleship Ministry church partnership evangelism. To learn more about that work, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship here in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.